Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody, this is Russ Gay Five Tux, and uh, we're bringing you another episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. And for those who have been paying attention, several of them have come out very recently. So I hope you're all enjoying your latest downloads of the show. And uh, did I mention what episode it was? Because I don't remember already. One seventeen. Yes, it is one seventeen, and I don't remember if I said that. So if I didn't, we've said it like four times now. So uh, with me tonight is Pete, V-E-2-X-P-L. Hello, Pete. How are thou to tonight? <laughs> good day. Yeah, I've noticed you've been quite busy uh, cranking out the episodes. That's good. I'm actually falling behind. I'm two episodes back now, so I have to catch up on my uh, podcast listening. But uh, glad to be here. Uh, everybody happy and healthy uh, in this nick of the woods, so uh, nothing to complain about. And looking forward to a great show. All right, excellent. And also with us tonight, sitting in to uh, chat with us about various things uh, and just generally add to the conversation is my significant other, Cheryl, who everybody has heard about many times but has never been on the show. So say hello to the people. Hello, people. All right. So, uh, I, you know, go ahead and chime in anytime you, you know, feel like it. If you have something to say, tell us what we're doing wrong, which, you know, most people don't get a chance to do until afterwards and they have to email or whatever. But in the meantime, we'll um, try and get a show out again. And, you know, I may actually be able to release this one in some kind of timely fashion. We'll see how that goes. I'm excited. I didn't realize that the lovely Cheryl was joining us. I thought she just popped in to try to help Uncle Geek there. But uh, that's very cool. Congratulations uh, for being... Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Well, you won the special yes. prize. Congratulations. Uh, thanks for being here. And, and I want to I wanna hear, hear a fight tonight. You want to hear a fight? Well, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I'm glad you do. I'll tell you what, Pete, go ahead and fight with her. I want to hear a yeah. fight. <laughs> I just don't necessarily want to participate. Yeah, yeah so, he, he always gets to participate. So <laughs> that's right. I don't think I want to get involved either. So I think we'll Probably be cool. We'll, we'll behave. We'll behave. Well, you could bring <laughs> your wife on and then we can just have a tag team fight. How's that yeah. sound? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you have enough, uh, enough fodder with that one. So let's not. All right, so have you bothered to look at any of the stuff that I put in the show notes? Like, can I ask you about things and you, you'll sound knowledgeable, or is the show mine tonight? <laughs> Are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. I've looked at some of it, but I'm not going to sound knowledgeable. I was actually shocked, shocked I'd put together a few things. Which are not timely, so that's good because I have some stuff for next time. And I uh, was actually pleasantly surprised to see all these really cool topics. But I can, you know, certainly uh, chime in and give you my two cents, but not really confident. I haven't heard of any of this stuff, so that's the other thing that's very exciting. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I haven't really heard of a lot of this stuff either. Well, I mean, our main topic for the night, which we'll get to after the first music break, we've both heard about um, in our interview with Rich and Brady. Uh, back in episode number 115. Yes. As far as these other topics, I figured I would look around and, and you know, I felt like we were kind of drifting far afield in, in some of our recent episodes. So I kind of wanted to get us back to 
you know, the thing that we do, which is Linux in the ham shack. So I went, I went to uh, a website that I think we mentioned when we were talking to Rich and Brady, which was radio.linux.org.au, which has a, an extremely thorough and extensive list of ham radio software that runs under Linux. So I went through there and checked out some of the stuff that has been released recently um, to see if there was any kind of new stuff that we haven't really talked about before. And it turns out there is quite a bit of stuff. So I picked a, a couple of different software packages that, you know, folks who are listening to the show might be interested in, and uh, we're going to talk about them. So the first one I have on my list is a, a couple of software packages called DMorse and XDMorse, and that's uh, Delta Echo Morse and X-Delta Echo, or X-Ray Delta Echo Morse. Uh, the link to this software, of course, will be in the show notes. And uh, what these are is what they kind of sound like, which are Morse code decoders. Now, I know there's a lot of Morse code decoders out there. The nice thing about these particular Morse code decoders is that they're very lightweight. Uh, DMorse is actually NCurses based, so it runs in a terminal. XDMorse is GTK plus based, so it runs in X under any system that has the GTK libraries installed which for most people should be any of them. Uh, the software is written by, and here I go, going to butcher this. I'm going to assume that's something like Nicholas Kyriazis, Kyriazis, something like that. And I don't remember where he's from because I didn't bother to write that down. But anyway, Sounds it's called... Greek. Yeah, it, is, it does sound Greek, but I'm not sure that he is but he, Greek. But he could live in Japan for all we know. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, his call sign is, uh, five Bravo four alpha Zulu five B four AZ. He wrote these, uh, quite a while ago, but he put out a new version earlier this year, February of 2013 version 1.1. He, uh, you know, did some updates and bug fixes. And so this stuff is all current and, uh, I fired these up and of course I didn't have an audio source, so I couldn't tell if they were really working, but they're, they're kind of nice. They have. There's a waterfall in XD Morse that allows you to center on a CW frequency. Yeah, the waterfall kind of looks like a what you'd see in, in a lot of the digital modes, which is kind of neat. I like the way it's it's uh, makes it easy to center on your on your signal. That would be good. And then you got your signal input on the other side. It's a very very simply elegant design. Right. It's it's very yeah exactly. It's uh, simplicity and elegance incarnate. Uh, just a couple of buttons, a, a few sliders to allow for uh, varying audio levels. Uh, the signal input on the left just lets you see the actual dits and dahs. It shows you the peaks in the audio. And then, of course, the waterfall on the right allows you to determine that you are centered on the CW signal itself. And then there's just a window at the top where your decoded audio is printed out. The demo that he shows here is a satellite transmission that's being decoded, which actually came out pretty good considering the fact that uh, I believe he was just on a standard antenna. And uh, of course, with satellite transmissions, you have Doppler shift and a bunch of other stuff, but uh, the decode was very good. So basically any computer with a sound card interface can be plugged into this thing. There is some cat control with this, but only for Yezu rigs, uh, later model Yezus. Probably because I 
he didn't integrate uh, ham libraries on here and only coded for what radios he had. But if you're interested in a terminal-based or a very lightweight uh, GTK-X-based Morse code decoder, DMorse and XDMorse might be options for you. So uh, go ahead and check those out. Like I said, the link will be in the show notes. Yeah, the uh, scope actually, uh, you can switch between the signal, which is what he shows here on the webpage for those of you who might be listening and looking at the same time. But you can also switch it to level uh, to the stops, so the dits and daws, which is kind of neat. So, um, yeah, I like it. I'm going to try it out. All right, good. And I know you didn't really do any research, but um, you can at least read my notes on uh, the next topic while I figure out what I'm going to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) The next topic, uh, we'll be talking about Q-Radio Predict. So this is something you can get uh, via SourceForge, uh, one of uh, my favorite places to uh, check out regularly. So uh, under the projects uh, uh, section, you'll find Q-Radio Predict, written by Adrian, oh, another name that we're going to massacre, and we apologize in advance for massacring your name, written by Adrian Musiak or Muskak or Musias. Uh, his call sign is uh, Y08RZZ. I apologize, Adrian, for massacring your name. Uh, but this is a VHF, UHS, VHF, UHF propagation prediction, which is a little bit of a thing that I enjoy uh, trying to understand, which I completely don't, but that's okay. It's fun uh, trying to learn. It uh, features terrain maps uh, from OpenStreetMaps, which is very cool, uh, NASA elevation data, uh, APRS client, uh, for those who are interested, uh, for predicting propagation between mapped endpoints. Uh, APRS is something that I completely enjoy, so I find it very interesting that they've incorporated that into it. Um, you can uh, use antenna models from NEC2 or NEC2, compatible software, and uh, it's uh, available for Linux, which is uh, very exciting. And also for those of you who are interested, also available for uh, Windows, uh, but only as 32-bit, uh, but it'll still run on your 64-bit machine, so no worries. I have no idea what QT is, slash, uh, but it's C++-based. Uh, I'm guessing QT is some sort of uh, programming lingo, and Russ will correct me when he comes back. Uh, released under the LGPL, which is a good thing and uh, should always be supported. Version 0.8.6, released October 7th, uh, 2013, so uh, very recently. So Russ will tell us what QT is before uh, CC-based, and I'm going to visit the website and check this one out too. <laughs> okay, well, before anyone jumps all over us for calling it QT, see, most people don't really care. That's cute, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yes. Um, ah, yes, of course. They, and the only person, the only people who really care about that are actual cute developers. But yes, it's cute. And yeah, uh, coming back now. <laughs> so anyway, it's written in C using the Cute Toolkit, which means if you are familiar with KDE, then um, the, the that entire desktop environment is written using Qt. But it, of course, will run on any any uh, desktop platform that has the Qt toolkit stuff installed. And, of course, if you install it out of your repos, then uh, that will be done by default. But basically what this does is you, you put in a couple of terrestrial points, and it uses map data and elevation data to determine the strength of your signal at any given point. It shows a radiation pattern based on antenna models, if you so choose. Otherwise, it chooses a perfectly spherical radiation pattern and then shows, based on terrain, the signal strength at uh, certain points. 
based on uh, output power, receive gain, and elevation, which is really cool. I've I've seen some other stuff yeah. that does this for like atmospheric propagation for for HF, but this is the first one I've come across that does it for sort of you know near distance communication in uh, the higher frequencies. It's got a really simplistic interface. It's basically just a bunch of, you know, radio buttons where you select the options that you want and then you put in, you know, your grid square coordinates or your uh, APRS data or whatever that, or you can gather APRS data from an APRS client to determine the propagation between two endpoints. And then it just shows you a map with a plot of your likely propagation statistics. Uh, simple program looks very powerful, and if you're into uh, modeling and and looking at your propagation patterns, this is I think a uh, a good option. And of course, it's GPL, so freeware. It's out there for Linux and Windows. Yeah, you see you see this stuff more in HF. You you rarely see it in VHF, UHF. So I think that's very cool, and I could totally see an application for this for people who are doing any kind of um, um, you know outdoor communications, uh, emergency type situations. Um, or where where you're planning on emergency preparedness, uh, you know, where to set up stations and things like that. I mean, I, I could see all kinds of applications. Just it's, it's very cool. I'm going to give this one a shot too because I'm I'm actually I love HF, but I'm I'm more of a VHF UHF guy. I must admit, uh, this one kind of kind of really interests me. All right. Kind of really kind, interesting. Kind of really sort of might interest me kind maybe of, if no, I think it, about I think it on the right day. Very, yeah. Let me start that. I think it's very interesting, and I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> All right. Good. Way to sell it. Up to four ground stations on and one mobile station. Uh, let's see. Yeah, radio, you said that. Uh, signal quality, frequencies. Uh, can be connected to flight gear, for those of you who are interested. Uh, and you can use it for its powerful radio capabilities. Not sure what you do with this in flight gear, but since I don't have flight gear, yeah, I'm not sure what you do with it either, since it's. Uh, but you can. But you can, yes, you can. <laughs> so, so if that's important to you, you can do it. Well, some people who are into flight gear might know what to do with this. Oh, well, I'm sure. And if you are into flight gear and you do know what to do with the software, let us know. Send us an email or send us a voicemail, and and we'd really like to know. Because Flight Gear is a really cool piece of software. We talked about it a few episodes ago. And uh, I'd be interested to know how it integrates with uh, this piece of software that we're talking about, which is Q Radio Predict. Oh, and the link, of course, will be in the show notes. Indeed. Indeed it will. So we should probably move on to our next piece of cool Linux ham radio software, which is PyQSO. Or I Pi, like this one. PyQSO. I don't know. PyQSO is good. Yeah, PyQSO works. Uh, link, of course, in the show notes. This one's written by Christian Jacobs. I could not find a call sign for Christian Jacobs, which is interesting to me because that suggests that either he really doesn't want to let anyone know what his call sign is, or it's written by a non-ham, which would be bizarre because it's a call sign logging application. But that's okay because we didn't massacre his name. No, that's true. He does have a very Anglo-type name, so easy to pronounce and not butcher. It's a, it's a logging program. This one's written in Python. It has ah, a... Ah, thus the pie. Thus ah. the pie, yes. Uh, it does have a graphical user interface to it, even though it's written in Py. I'm not sure it says on the website what the um, UI toolkit uh, that was used is, uh, but it's not really important. Uh, basically, it performs all the functions of all your, your basic loggers, 
Uh, it has a nice customizable interface, very intuitive interface, by the way. It's uh, a lot of the software that I that I looked at race that's been updated recently has very simple, intuitive interfaces, which is very nice. I mean, only a couple of buttons to push, only a couple of drop down menus, and basically easy to just sort of you know dive right in and get to the thing you want to do without having to go through help manuals or forums or anything like that. Yeah, that's important for a lot of our listeners who are just starting out in Linux because it's really nice to play with Linux, but when you start playing with Linux, you want to do something with Linux. And if you have all these really complicated programs that you can't figure out, I mean, when I started with Linux, I, I was introduced to the GIMP way back when, and that wasn't easy. I mean, luckily, I like this stuff, but for somebody who gets discouraged easy, I could see where that would like kind of push them away. So having simple but effective programs to start, you know, a new a ham radio guy who's just coming into Linux out. I think that's phenomenal. And uh, these are three great software packages. Carry on, Russ. Absolutely. Very nice comment, Pete. Well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Your impromptu skills are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even drinking tonight. <laughs> you never drink unless it's uh, root. Uh, no, what's not, that stuff? Uh, maple. No, what was the stuff you were drinking? Not root. <laughs> maple beer. No, it's uh, spruce beer. Spruce beer. That was Which it. Which is yeah. not, it's not even beer. It's like root beer. It's just pop. Right. Like butter beer from, you know. But, oh, butter beer. Is that from Nepal? No, that's from uh, Harry Potter. It, it, never oh, mind. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, um, it does all of the things you would expect. It imports and exports data in ADIF format. I didn't see anything about Cabrillo, so I don't know if it does Cabrillo. I'm going to assume since it's... Yeah, I would hope so, because that's kind of a standard uh, yeah. output, but who knows? Yeah, I, did, I didn't see anything specifically about it, but we can hope it does. If not, you know, write to the author and say, hey, does this you know deal with Cabrillo? But anyway, it does ADIF, so... You know, there's, I'm sure there's probably 75 different Cabrillo to ADIF converters out there. So, you know, one way or another, you can probably get the data in and out of this application. It does uh, automatic call sign lookups and autofills data using QRZ. I, I would suggest that the author goes and uses HamQTH instead, but... Well, that can be reprogrammed, you see. It can. That's right. And this is open source, so I could do it myself, and I'm not going to. You can uh, sort your logs by the individual drop-down fields, you know, based on call sign, name, location, etc., which is nice. Uh, you can actually print a hard copy or export your log data to PDF format, which is nice. I'm not sure that any of the other loggers I've seen actually sort of emphasize that capability, but this one does. It allows you to connect to Telnet-based DX clusters, so you can find those elusive contacts while you're out there chasing DX and logging your uh, your finds. Uh, it has a progress tracker for a DX Century Award, a gray line plotter, which I didn't see any screenshots of, so I'd be interesting about. I'd be interested to see if they borrowed another uh, gray line gray line mapper or if he actually wrote his own. But you know, it's a feature anyway. It has a search and filter option, so you can uh, just see the the call signs or uh, call sign data that you're interested in. It has a dupe checker, which is nice. Uh, he doesn't explicitly, or the, the documentation doesn't explicitly say this logger is for contesting, but uh, dupe checking, of course, is a feature that is necessary for contesting. Uh, or just to see who you've contacted in the past. It could just be as simple as that. That's, that's true as well. See, I'm overthinking things. 
Thanks for bringing although, me although back there. He talks about DXCC awards and stuff like that, so he might include contesting as well. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a, like a, a true contest logger, but of course anything can be used as a contest logger. It's just how efficient it is. It has basic... Well, it's just that contest logging software specifically has a lot of, as you know, but for those who don't, has all of the... Um, information from the various contests you know the 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 bonus points and and the dupe points and stuff like that so you don't have to program that in manually which is kind of a nice feature you know for all of the major contests so if you're a a true contester you might not want to use this because you'll have to sit there and type in all your info so i'm I'm actually installing it as we speak so i'm going to find out (laughs) okay well there may be an addendum to this little review of PyQso. Anyway, um, there's only a couple more bullet points I need to mention, which are that uh, it has basic support for HamLive, which means you can uh, get your frequency data and such from connected radios that are supported by HamLive. And uh, the only other relevant piece of information I have is that its latest version was uh, put out on October 4th of this year. So only about a month ago, and that was actually the first released version. It's at 0.1 beta right now, but it does seem to be pretty functional for uh, for beta software and only being a, a 0.1 release. If you want to get in on the ground floor of what looks like a, a really interesting and functional logging application, you might want to check out PyQso. And of course, the link to that software will be in the show notes if we haven't said that like seven times already. Yeah, I'm on GitHub right now, and I just uh, found that uh, if you don't want to install it, uh, you can run it without installing it. Uh, there's a command for just running it uh, uh, virtually somehow. I'm not sure how that works. You could probably explain that to me, but apparently you could do it right from the command line. Um, I could if I, I had probably that. seen how it worked before because a lot of them can run inside of an iframe or, or something along those lines, or maybe it has a web-based interface. I do not know. Well, let's find out. Okay. Well, you find out while we listen to some music. How's that? Yeah, because it's going to take a while. I'm not used to the command line. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, with that, I guess we have come to our first break. We will pick up our main topic afterwards. But in the meantime, we're going to uh, play our first selection of the night, which is actually my selection. It's going to be A White Owl Night. And what that means is I found uh, a great album by a group called White Owl. They're out of Moscow in the country of Russia. They're formed back in 1996. This album called Pepper was released in February of 2007. And there's some really good stuff on here. It's a, it's a little different, for a, kind of a departure from music we play on here. But um, I really, really liked this stuff, and I hope everybody else does. Uh, this particular track is called Kanunkataja which, uh, yeah, that's quite a mouthful. Of course, all of this information will be in the chat room. and uh, In the chat room. Uh, that, by the way. Yeah, I'll probably put that in the chat room, actually. But it'll also be in the show notes. Thanks for, like, telling me that I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, said nothing. Yes, you did. How does this work? How does what work? This GitHub thing. I'm never going to figure this out. Oh, wait, there's instructions. Okay, carry on. <laughs> All right, so anyway, uh, settle back, listen to uh, a little more than three minutes of Kanunkataja by White Owl, and uh, we'll be back on the other side with our main topic for the night.
Sin humalahan tuluani Huli enasa tuluani Hilopahan pas tuluani Kataja by White Owl. So, what do you think of that one? That's pretty cool. I like that. It's got a good beat. It's uh, it's uppity. It's happy. Yeah, I thought so too. And it's it's interesting because that's a Russian group singing in something that sounds like you know Gaelic and is actually English, just unintelligible. <laughs> was it really? It oh, really was. Me. Um, <laughs> the the next track will make that even more evident which is is actually the better of the two tracks it's also in english but if you can pick out any of the words i would be surprised okay well throw out a challenge there maybe we'll have a prize <laughs> so is cheryl still here are you uh still part I of the show her. hello maybe oh you're still here hey <laughs> she's psyching you out <laughs> yes your, your parents have been calling every five minutes so i'm muted right now i see have you talked to them, or are you it's just? No, I trouble? have not. But they're leaving messages. Uh, I see. What have you done, Russ? Your what have, what have I done? You. Well, <laughs> the only thing I could have done, the only egregious thing that they could keep calling about, is the fact that I haven't called them. Ah, <laughs> so, there you go. Which is probably why they're calling. I'm so. sure. 
Don't they listen to the podcast? No, they Why don't. In the chat room. I, I'm not sure they even understand what podcasting is. It's like every <laughs> they ask like what I do, you know, every time I talk to them or every other time I talk to them, and then I explain it and then the next time I talk to them they're like, And what do you do again? So Yeah, my my mom just nods and I I know she has no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> it's okay. But that's okay. She's very polite. <laughs> As all Canadians are. <laughs> we have to be. It's the law. <laughs> it's the law, yeah. It's in the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we should probably That'd move on dangerous. to the main topic. Unless you Did you have anything you wanted to discuss? I, I know you said you had a couple of topics, but they weren't timely. Was there anything else you wanted to throw in? No. No, no. I'm happy with uh, the content so far. I'm actually discovering a lot of stuff, so this is cool. It's refreshing. So do you have something to add about PyQso yet, or have you not gotten that far? No, I'm still trying to figure out. I, I wasn't even on the right website. That's why I couldn't figure out how to download it. But I did find the uh, blog that explains all the little bugs and fixes and things that he's done. So, um, you know, I'm I'm getting there slowly, ever so slowly. All right. Excellent. So after uh, episode number 115, where we talked to Rich and Brady for a little while, one of the things that was kind of mentioned in passing was that Brady was a fan of, or at least currently using, a distribution called Point Linux which we kind of discussed a little bit. Uh, we both checked it out during the episode, and I took a little deeper look at it over the last couple of days, uh, installed it on my machine at work as, my, as a Linux uh, virtual machine, and have actually been using it. What, one nice thing about it was that after I got it installed, I was able to just sort of use it straight out of the box right away um, to do a lot of my work tasks, and I didn't have to uh, install a lot of extra software or do a lot of desktop configuration or any of that kind of thing in order to make it functional. It just sort of worked right out of the box. And, of course, it comes in a live DVD environment as well. So uh, in a virtual machine environment or even on bare metal, you can put it on a flash drive or burn it to a DVD. And of course, it will run right from the install media, uh, as a lot of current distributions will do. And once you decide that you like Point Linux, you can go ahead and install it right from the live DVD or thumb drive media, which is... uh, which is excellent. It's a great feature. It's a, I'm glad that sort of revolution has come around the live distro, uh, because it makes things really easy to migrate, um, you know, current users of windows and Mac platforms over to Linux, because you can just run them right from the install media without overwriting the current system. And then if, you know, said user says they really like this new, fancy operating system called Linux, they can go ahead and install it. And if they don't, they just pull out the install media and they're back to square one. So um, I I think we may underestimate the power of the live CD a little bit. It's uh, available at pointlinux.org, P-O-I-N-T linux.org, just like it sounds. You can download it directly from Point Linux servers, uh, this would be the install media that I'm talking about, the install, um, you know, the live DVD, as it were. Uh, but one nice thing is you can also get it via torrent. Um, I, I highly encourage the producers of Linux distributions to put out their source code via torrent because it's so fast in downloading via BitTorrent as opposed to getting it from a single 
hosted site or something like that. Linux Mint also makes their distributions available via Torrent, uh, so kudos to them as well. The current version of Point Linux is 2.2. It's called Taya, and I'm not sure what that means or anything, but all distributions now have to have a code name. Can't just use the numbers anymore. And what was Ubuntu? Trusty Tar, the current version or the, the next version. Fort Tar, Tar, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, Shuttleworth is going around trying to find the most obscure animals on the planet to, to name his distribution after. Well, it wouldn't be fun to name it like Trusty Cat or, you know, Foxy Cougar. <laughs> Foxy Cougar? No, I think you should. I definitely think you should go with that. Down fast. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say a different word. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you went with Cougar. <laughs> Foxy Cleopatra. Obscure <laughs> reference. So, uh, Point Linux 2.2 is based on Debian 7, uh, which is currently called a Wheezy, since uh, everybody loves code names. It has a 32-bit version and 64-bit version, both of which are based on the Mate desktop, which I actually thought was developed by the Linux Mint developers, but it was not. It was developed independently of Linux Mint uh, from some folks who just decided they wanted to keep GNOME 2 around when GNOME 2 decided to, or when GNOME decided to abandon GNOME 2 in favor of GNOME Shell. Um so they they forked GNOME 2 into Mate, and they've been you know keeping it updated. And distributions like Linux Mint and now Point Linux and some others have adopted it as the default desktop. So if you like the way GNOME 2 works, uh, if you like that functionality and that look, and you want to keep the you know the GNOME framework without moving to GNOME Shell, Mate is the way to go. So Point Linux keeps that as the default. Point Linux prides itself, apparently, based on the documentation that I saw on its internationalization support. Uh, apparently, they have ported the entire desktop environment over to many different uh, languages, you know, including, you know, the major ones like French, German, Japanese, Chinese, Spanish, etc., etc. I think the, the last one they did was Vietnamese. So if you are in Vietnam, you can have a native language desktop using Point Linux. It's pretty cool. Uh, That's what I always wanted. <laughs> it's not maybe what you always wanted, but later on <laughs> we have some feedback from a gentleman who actually is from Vietnam, and I bet he uses... Uh, excellent. Uh, and timely. And timely, yes. So anyway, good internationalization support. Like other distributions that are based on Debian, they ignore Debian's adherence to strict free software philosophy. Uh, Linux Mint, of course, is based on Debian, so is Ubuntu. Uh, and they do they take the core of Debian and then throw the free software philosophy out the window and allow you to install stuff by default using the non-free repos that are or custom repos that are not uh, GPL or GNU-approved free software packages. Point Linux does the same thing. So you have easy access to software that is not strictly GPL-compliant, things like the Opera browser, which has its own license, uh, Mozilla, which has issues with licensing regarding its artwork, um, certain audio codecs, etc., etc., uh, Point Linux by default supports all of these things. 
Uh, Point Linux also enables sudo access by default, which Debian does not. Um, you have to make yourself a member of the sudo or admin groups under a stock Debian install in order to be able to sudo or su to, uh, I'm sorry, in order to sudo to root. Uh, sudo is enabled by default in Point Linux, which makes uh, super user access much simpler, you know, for a user who's not familiar with config files and security restrictions and all that kind of thing. So that's nice. Um, Mozilla is the default web browser uh, with DuckDuckGo set as the default search engine, but a lot of the major search engines are enabled by default, including Google, Bing, Yahoo, Ask, and others. And all you do is select the one that you prefer, but DuckDuckGo is default out of the box. Um, it comes with a small subset of programs installed from the install media, but it's a useful set of applications. They include LibreOffice for, your, of course, your office needs, uh, Pigeon for your instant messaging, <laughs> Pigeon for your instant messaging, Remina for remote desktop control, Transmission for BitTorrent, Events for PDF viewing, Brazero for web browsing, or web, man, just shoot me. Uh, Brazero for CD burning and DVD burning, and VLC for media playback. So a fine group of applications for your, for your basic user needs. Okay, and uh, <laughs> I'm curious because Ted has said OMG in the chat room, and now I'm curious why. Of course, that was five minutes ago because I'm not paying attention. So, uh, But Ted, what was that about? Well, I continue on about Point Linux. Um, the default, the default look of, uh, point Linux is of course, uh, GNOME based. Um, it uses a GTK theme called clear dash Phoenix, which is nice, but it's very blue. If you don't like blue, you should probably install something else. Uh, and by blue, I mean, literally blue, the color, not, you know, off color like pornography or anything like that. Um, one nice thing is that it has support for virtual machine environments installed by default. It has a kernel with KVM and QEMU uh, support installed and also the Oracle VirtualBox tools. So you have automatic um, VirtualBox guest support if you happen to install Point Linux in a virtual machine environment, which is very nice because that's exactly what I did and it all just sort of worked. Uh, the desktop manager and the login manager is one called Light DM, the Light Desktop Manager, which is a little bit different from some of the ones you may be familiar with. Linux Mint uses MDM and GNOME by default uses GDM. Uh, if you're familiar with CentOS and you've seen the way Light DM starts up in CentOS, uh, that's the same way that Point Linux starts up, which was a little weird to me because I thought that I was starting up CentOS at first but it's just because it looked the same. Um, Point Linux basically uses the Debian repositories, the same ones that all Debian distros use, but they also have their own software packages that they've written and repackaged, uh, particularly the ones that don't conform to free software rules, which um, they also support. They have a wiki which shows you how to enable those uh, very simply in order to be able to install some of that not-free software. 
that you uh, maybe want to do if you are a typical desktop user. Uh, and they have lots of avenues available for user support. Uh, those include an email address, support at pointlinux.org. You can also contact them via XMPP, which is uh, another way of saying Jabber, if anyone still actually uses Jabber. Uh, the address for that is pointlinux at conference.jabber.org. They also have forums. Uh, there's lots of good information and community support out there on their forums at uh, forums.pointlinux.org. And they can also be contacted on hash pointlinux.org on the Freenode IRC network. So uh, they're big on community support. They've, they've written their distribution with the desktop user in mind. Um, they say on the website that it's for power users, but I think it would actually work for a novice user as well. I think it's, it's well-constructed, it's simplistic, uh, and it has an intuitive feel with, you know, Mate on top of, uh, the GNOME 2 environment, uh, the light DM. And it's, um, I think it would be very easy for someone even coming into Linux to use, even though they say it's more of a, you know, advanced user distribution. Um, I, I think they may want to only support or may hope that those are the people who use the distribution as opposed to um, a newbie type user. But I don't think it would be hard for a newbie to use. Um, and like I said, I, of course, I've been using, you know, Linux distributions for a long time, but I was able to install and fire it up and get it working inside of 10 minutes uh, with essentially no effort whatsoever. So if you want a, you know, a reasonably small Linux distribution that's got a good, clean interface, a reasonable set of software packages installed by default, and of course, access to all of the main repos that Debian possesses. I think Point Linux is definitely one to check out, and uh, I'm going to actually continue to use it for a while because uh, it has a very familiar feel to me, and it's something that uh, you know will enable me to be as productive as I am on pretty much any other machine I've tried. So I'm going to go ahead and keep using it. So I think that's about all I have to say about that, unless someone else wants to jump in and talk about it. Cheryl? <laughs> um, no, I've been learning, so. <laughs> well, there you go. So it's all, all not for not. No, that's good. I'm going to check it out too, because uh, I'm actually really liking HamOS. Uh, that was uh, I've been playing with for about I guess a month or six weeks or so. I started playing with it about three weeks before we were first supposed to have Rich and Brady on. So yeah, a good couple of months, and I'm I'm kind of liking it. Uh, but I always like to try a new distribution, so uh, it'll be uh, interesting. So another one uh, to add to my list of things to do for the next episode. Yeah, I think if you try it, you'll actually really like it. I mean, you're, if you've used Linux Mint, it will seem extraordinarily familiar to you because it's it's basically built the same way. It's not as full-featured, I would say, as Linux Mint. It, it sort of doesn't enable the kitchen sink by default. But I actually think that's a better way to go because it makes everything a little simpler. And it also forces the average user to do a little bit of work on their own without overwhelming a typical person. Uh, and their wiki is very good about, you know, 
giving you the basics of this is how you start the software manager. If you want to install something, here's how you search for what you need. These are the buttons you click. And it gives you a, you know, two to five minute tutorial on the essentials of adding the packages you need, which is, which to me is very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I used Linux Mint for so long that I kind of got lazy that way. And now I'm kind of playing with these other distros that are a little less, uh, you know, uh, plug and play, if you will. And, and I'm kind of, kind of finding myself lost again. So it's kind of nice to get to, to back up as it were. I mean, Mint is a great way to jump in or, or Ubuntu or, or Ubuntu, or however you want to pronounce, uh, trying not to step on any toes there. But, uh, you know, after a little while, it's kind of nice to kind of get in there and, and uh, get your hands wet again and see, see what you can, uh, play with and, and mess up as it were. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I just, I re- I really liked point Linux. I'm not sure I would stay with it like indefinitely, but I, I definitely think it's a reasonable choice. I'm, I'm not sure it's different enough for me from other distributions that I would, that I would want to stay with it. But if you, if you didn't really have a, a wide range of experience with different Linux distributions, you could definitely do a lot worse than starting with Point Linux. So I would recommend it. And of course, since it's Debian-based, you have access to all the ham radio software that's in the Debian repos. So if you wanted to use it um, as a you know, as an alternative for a machine where you wanted to have your, uh, your rig control and access to your PSK and all of your different ham radio applications, uh, you could do a lot worse. I'm going to try Point Linux. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, that was pretty much the main topic for tonight. And uh, that means it's the end of the second segment, which means we are going to actually kind of sound kind of like Casey Kasem there for a second. Um, So on to the next piece of music. Uh, Again, we're going to play some more White Owl uh, from the album Pepper, which came out in 2007. Just to remind everybody, this is a song uh, sort of along the same vein. It's a little peppier to me and uh, just as entertaining as the last one. It's called Kunla, uh, C-U-N-L-A. Of course, uh, links to all of this stuff will be in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy this particular section. And then we've got uh, a bunch of feedback and announcements and all kinds of grandiose hand-waving in segment three. So uh, back in a few minutes with that.
Some white owl from Moscow. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not I'm sure not... how, not sure what I was searching for to come across that, but it was. Uh, I enjoyed it. I really did. The whole album is very good. Yeah, it's, I'm not saying that I'd buy the album, but uh, I definitely listened to it once. You don't have to buy the album. That's the great thing. Yeah, I know. Figure of speech. Sorry, old school. <laughs> oh, that's all right. So uh, that's pretty much our uh, topics for the evening. But we have got a bazillion uh, bits of feedback and announcements that we need to get through here. So, I'm Sorry. surprised Rich didn't do that when he called in. <laughs> Hotel Transylvania. Halloween's over. All right. The first thing we have in the way of feedback tonight is a voicemail from Rich. Yes, that's very exciting. It is. Uh, KD0RG, who was our guest two weeks ago. Uh, no. Yes. No. Anyway, a while ago. That's Rich uh, of the Low SWR podcast. He had some voicemail, and uh, with any kind of luck, I'm going to be able to play it here very shortly. <laughs> Hi, Ref. Hi, Pete. It's Rich, uh, KD0RG. I was on the show a couple shows ago, and I, I gave some erroneous information. I stated that the ARRL gave an award to Simon Brown for Ham Radio Deluxe, and that was incorrect. It was the Dayton Hamvention that gave the award to Simon Brown for his technical excellence, and I wanted to correct that. And uh, on a similar note, the ARRL actually has done a very good job recently about giving awards to people creating free software, such as the uh, Free DV Project, the Digital Voice Encoder Project. And um, they, uh, Dave Sumner actually had an editorial, I think, it was in the April 2013 QST, and in that editorial, or, or yeah, you, the, you know, the first uh, little editorial there that you come upon when you open up the magazine, he stated that it was important that we be able to all communicate with each other. I think he was intimating a bit that um, open source is the way to go, so I wanted to correct that 
and uh, and not disparage the ARRL. And they've also this year they gave some uh, technical awards to hardware people. And I was glad to see that finally the you know for a while all the awards have been going to software people. And uh, I don't mind that as long as it's open software that we can look at and critique. But when it's closed software getting a, awards, we have to question what the motivation for the giving of the award is. One should not get an award simply because something works. Uh, there are black boxes that work. But if we don't, if we can't understand the technology, how can we say that it's uh, an, an achievement? Anyway, I just wanted to correct that. Have a great day, everybody. Seven three. All right. Yeah. And uh, all I can say is I agree with him. I think that if the AWRL or any organization along those lines wants to be giving out awards, that you know the software that they that they give the awards for, or the hardware, in fact, should be open, available, and fully vetted by the community for which that product is available. Ham radio is a very open medium, and there shouldn't be anything proprietary about the stuff that. Uh, the awards are given for. I, I have to agree with him 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks for that, Richard. And uh, thanks for clearing up uh, your uh, your minor mistake. Uh, not a big deal, but uh, it's very classy to uh, come back on and give us the right information. Absolutely. And it's a voicemail. Yay! And it's a voicemail. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> C'est excellent. Excellent. C'est excellent. All right. So uh, a few episodes ago, I think it was episode number one twelve, if I'm not mistaken. We You're talked just making up these numbers. <laughs> okay, I just threw a number out there, but I bet I'm right. Episode seven hundred and sixteen. Oh, if only. Yeah, oh, we'll get there. We'll be old. <laughs> we'll be very old. Yeah, uh, we talked about an application called QScope. Uh, this is something that Pete found. Um, yeah, very cool application. Yep, it's a web-based app where you can get a graphical representation of your call logs. You you pump the data into QScope, and it spits back a bunch of analytics um, and graphs and cool things to look at. So all of you statistically-minded people and, and left-brainers, um, which I consider myself one of as well, uh, can be entertained by all of your data represented in a new way. So uh, we talked about that for a little while, and I, I had some concerns about the software, and I voiced them on the show. And apparently Jan, the, the writer of the software, uh, X-Ray Victor for Yankee over in Vietnam, listened to the show and uh, had some feedback to my feedback. And uh, we'll go ahead and read it now. Jan says, hi, guys. Thanks for covering QScope in this episode. Thanks for giving your personal feedback, too. I appreciate the effort. I just would like to answer to the concerns you expressed. And I'm reading this the way he wrote it. The servers to VPS are hosted in France at OVH in a secured environment. You should not consider SSL as a real security proof. As a former IT security consultant, I was selling devices by manufacturers like Bluecoat, that does so-called SSL inspection. Today, most of the firewall vendors do the same, including cheap products from SonicWall. Anyone who is in the path, your government, your employer, your ISP, and who really wants to break an SSL connection can do it easily. The rest of the hackers will do quicker by hacking directly your server, so you'd better to harden your server first. 
like I said, that's written, that's uh, written as read or read as written. Uh, so don't, don't blame me. Uh, but the message is clear, though. The message is very clear, and obviously English is not Jan's first language, which is... Well, he doesn't live in America, does he? No, he does not. So I do not fault him at all for his uh, slightly off grammar, because honestly, it's better than most of the grammar I hear just on a regular basis. So I was saying that I was a little concerned about the fact that the login you know, scheme for Qscope doesn't use SSL. Uh, and he addresses that saying that SSL is not secure. Well, maybe it isn't, but it's certainly more secure than just sending everything in plain text. But he addresses um, the complaint further as I read on. So as far uh, he says, as far as I know, ham radio activities are to be considered public. Your QSOs are public and cannot be encrypted. By extension, your logs are public data, too, that can be consulted by any authority. Thus, privacy is important, and the logs could be kept hidden from your neighbors if you want it, but they are not classified data who need absolute security and encryption. Uh, This is true, but I wasn't talking about the actual log data. I was more concerned about your login to Qscope. I would like to be able to keep my login to Qscope, which no one needs to know except me, and then once that information is passed to Qscope and I have an authenticated session, then I don't mind passing my log data in the clear. I just don't want my actual username and password for Qscope going in the clear, which it currently does. I'm not sure I made that point clear, but if I didn't, I'm doing it now. You could just use like a password that you use nowhere else. That's true. And you kind of don't have to worry. No, that you know, and that's certainly one way around the problem. If you and I would do that anyway, particularly for a site that doesn't use encryption on login. But but you uh, have to realize that though, and if you don't realize it, like me, I use the same password and and you know everywhere but my my bank. Uh, so I I would just kind of type in my my basic password by default and and wouldn't even think about that. Right. I'm issuing my concern with that, and for those who are security minded, you might want to make sure that when you sign up to use Qscope, which I definitely recommend you do because it's a very cool thing that you just make sure you use a password. That's probably either easy to guess or just something that has nothing to do with any other secure passwords that you use just to make sure that if it gets hacked, you know, someone doesn't steal your credit cards. Because I mean, he's right. There's, it's not a secret. Like who cares if people know who you talk to? No, that's true. And, and by default, all of your, your ham radio contacts and, and information related to ham radio activities need to be public and unencrypted anyway. Yeah, as he mentioned, absolutely. Right. So he continues, I am a fervent supporter of open source software and several parts of my work are already shared online. More will come later. However, writing Qscope is a task that requires a significant amount of time, and this I don't want other people to make money on it. Now... Um, I have a slight disagreement with him where we get to the end here, but I will finish. The way before Q- you carry on, why would why would he worry? I guess he's worried about people stealing the code and then making it private somehow and selling it. Because if it's open source, you can't make money on it. Uh, so no, I'm not you. Sure I understand that you you can make money on open source software. Talk to Red Hat, but th- this is you you have the same. I think you're coming from the same place that I'm coming from. But let me finish and then we can discuss. Yeah, carry on. The way Qscope is written, in order to run it on personal computers, I would have to give access to the whole source code. Living in Vietnam, I have no legal and financial means to protect me against other people stealing my code. I hope you'll find Qscope useful, 73 Yan xv 4 y So 
this speaks, I think, to what we're both thinking, which is I was under the impression that QScope was open source. And now I get from this, I get the impression from this that it's not. So did we discuss whether it was or not? I probably would have assumed that it was, but I made no research. I didn't either, so let me see. I I'd have to go back to the website now and have a look. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm curious now. To- I, I didn't look for source code, but I don't usually go the source code route anyway, so it's kind of an interesting comment. That being said, I'm very excited that Jan's giving us feedback because it means he actually listens to the podcast. I found this quite by accident. I was excited to find it. I was excited to talk about it. Never thinking. It's not like I told Jan, hey, we're going to talk about your podcast, your your uh, software. I mean, come in and have a listen. So I'm just very excited that he's listening. So <laughs> okay, well, happy, here's, Jan. Happy to have you here. Here's what I will say is that um, on on the website, there there is an acknowledgement section which says that QScope is based on several public domain or free software bricks and credit should be given to the authors of Debian, Apache, Postgres, PHP, Jellix, Pchart, uh, JDBASY, ADIF, and Cabrillo. Now, the thing of it is, I've, I've listened to a lot of legal discussions regarding the GPL and how the GPL can be used and incorporated into other software packages, and I don't remember the fine points. But there's something about the fact that I, I guess if you're going to redistribute software that contains GPL software, then the redistributed software has to also be GPL. There may That may not be entirely true, but if... Uh, I'm kind of getting from the QScope website that the software packages called QScope, QScope based on open source, some open source software is not itself open source. And I'm not sure that flies in the face of the licenses that the parts of QScope are written. In. But I'm not, you know, an open source lawyer. <laughs> so I don't know. He, he says, I'm proud to release some parts of the codes under GPL but not others. Yeah, see, there's, I'd be interested to see if I could get, um, uh, what's his name from, uh, from, uh, free and freedom. Uh, Brad, Brad. Yeah. Bradley Kuhn. That's right. 40 lashes to you, Harrison with a wet noodle. <laughs> That's right. So uh, actually I may, I may, um, I may send a, a message or an email to, to Bradley Kuhn about this. Cause I'm curious if the software that's part of QScope can be used in the way it's being used and still keep the overall project closed source. I'd be interested to know. Not that I'm trying to take anything away from Jan, and he obviously is trying to keep his time investment to himself, but I'm not sure that's actually legal based on the parts of the software that he's created. So maybe it is. I don't know. But I'd I'd be interested to know the, the truth of it. So... Anyway, uh, that aside, I would like to thank Jan for uh, sending us his thoughts and and being a listener of the show, and uh, hopefully he hears this, and if he has any other further comments about what we said about QScope, that he writes us back and, and lets us know what he's thinking. But in the meantime, I would not let any of this discussion keep folks from using QScope because uh, it does some really cool stuff. And if you, like I said, if you're 
if you're an analytical geek type person and you want to see, you know, the fruits of your ham radio labor in a new way, uh, Q-Scope is definitely one of those ways. Yeah, Mincast Rob in the uh, chat room mentions that you can't change the license if you're using GPL to code. Right, and that's kind of what I thought, but Ham Radio Deluxe also uses GPL code and it's closed source. So, but, you know. They're special. This is probably a topic, since I don't know enough about it, it's probably not a topic that we need to get any further into. Yeah, he goes, hmm. (laughs) There you go, food for thought. Exactly. We'll we'll work it out. We'll work it out and try to give you guys an update. (laughs) Yes, especially if I talk to Bradley, because that would be really cool. Well, there you go. All right, uh, so aside from that feedback, we have more feedback. We also have a comment on the website from Johnny K., Uh, who responded to a previous episode, and then in this episode, or from, oh, I don't even remember what this was a comment on, but he says, sorry for the length of my previous post. This podcast subject is about two of my most favorite subjects, so I tend to ramble on about them. He's talking talking about Linux and ham radio. Really? Uh, Really. Cool. Anyway, I love the podcast, (laughs) as you can tell. While I am a longtime Linux user, hacker, programmer, I am new to amateur radio, and I just love the fact that there is a place where both of these collide, and they collide Ah, right here. We are the super collider of Linux and ham stuff. Yeah, way to go, Johnny, and uh, welcome to the world of amateur radio. I I actually was in amateur radio before Linux, and and I have the same feeling. I think it's very cool that there's a community that embraces both, and and, uh, it's really opened uh, opened a lot of uh, horizons for me, so I, I think it's very, very interesting. I think it's cool, too, because it allows me to do a podcast. <laughs> there you go. We can do a podcast about anything. That's true. But we do a podcast about this. About this. Stuff we love. That's right. So uh, you, you got an email from uh, a gentleman who is in the chat room tonight, so I'll let you go ahead and do this one. Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually shortened the email because in the email he had mentioned that he would try to be here tonight, but I didn't want to put him on the spot, so... Uh, uh, very good. Welcome, Michael, N2HTT, Michael Aiello, who is uh, a friend of mine, a ham radio operator, and a newish listener to the show. He's been listening for some weeks now. But uh, he wrote me uh, the reason that Russ didn't get us, because he wrote me uh, wrote to my address. Uh, and he says, hi, in the chat room. Uh, he says, hi, Pete. I'm interested in replacing a Windows box with a Linux a setup to use for ham radio apps. Well, you've come to the right place, Mike. He uh, mentions I already use FL Digi on all platforms, uh, which is an awesome program for those who are into uh, digital modes. Uh, but lately, I've been uh, quite wired into JT65 on HF. It's a mode I haven't tried yet. It's taken, uh, taken the, the uh, ham radio world by storm, it seems. Um, I know Brady from uh, the Low SWR podcast loves JT65. They talk about it quite regularly. So um, Michael asks, uh, do you have any recommendations uh, for ham radio friendly distro? He mentions, I've been using Mint, uh, which uh, has a very nice desktop, but I think I want something with a little more uh, technical feel. Uh, I'm trying to set up some of the Windows software to run under Wine, so good access to system internals would be useful. He mentions in the chat room, uh, it's like potato chips. You can't work just one. And I agree 100%. Uh, and then he further mentions, uh, I'm enjoying the LHS podcast. Uh, thanks, Mike. I, I enjoy it too. And I've always enjoyed it. Uh, 
uh, well, since I've been listening. Uh, and he mentions working through them one at a time, uh, talking to the podcast. Still have a ways to go. I think I'm on April 2013. Well, he's doing well. Uh, lots of really interesting stuff. And then he says, enjoy the autumn. Uh, best seven threes, Mike. There was a bunch of personal stuff in there about uh, setting up a sked because we've been trying to get a hold of each other on uh, HF again. So I've uh, replied to Mike by email, uh, and I'm mentioning it here because I thought it was a really good question, and I thought it could be of use to uh, all of y'all listeners as well. So I wrote back. I've abridged this one too. Uh, hello, Michael. Uh, glad you and yours are well. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for the question. Uh, lately, and this is uh, me writing to Mike, uh, lately I've been playing with HamOS, uh, which I've mentioned uh, a few times. Um, Debian-based, uh, very simple, has everything you need, uh, including wine right in the main menu on the bottom left of the screen. I've, I've really enjoyed using it. I think it's a very, uh, very uh, intuitive distro. I've been using it on my T43 laptop, which is a 10- or 11-year-old laptop. Uh, I've been using it, like I mentioned before, two or three months now. Uh, it's very easy to install. It's, uh, like I said, intuitive to navigate. Everything is right there. He's even got a... Uh, Right in, in the menu, right at the top of, of the menu, where's my mouse? Right at the top of the menu, uh, the, the first item says ham radio fun starts here. So, if, you know, definitely uh, geared to the ham radio operator. You can, of course, download and burn an ISO and run a live DVD to see if you like it before you install it on your machine. Although the install on this, I think, took like 10 minutes, so not really a big deal. Uh, not, not a big waste of time if you don't like it. You could just kind of flush it and start something else. Uh, so I have asked them to let me know if I can help them with anything because I've been using it for a while. and I'm starting to know my way around a bit. And I've asked them to send us uh, some fees, feedback as to the ease of use or not of installing and using it. So if he has the time, uh, that'd be appreciated. And uh, Mike wrote back yesterday, uh, hey, Pete, glad to hear from you. Thanks for the good leads. He's downloading HamOS, and he says he's going to give it a try. So hopefully uh, that works for you. Uh, if I can get back to the uh, uh, text box there, I'll see if there's any updates. Uh, but uh, there, gave HamOS a try. Uh, had some issues with Wi-Fi, uh, so back to Mint. Really, uh, Wi-Fi actually was, I, I found, was quite uh, simple uh, on this one, and I've actually had no problems, um, but who knows? It may depend on the machine, and uh, we'll have to talk uh, We'll have to talk there about that, but you should be able to get that up and running, no problem, because uh, I just have to put in the, the password. I'm trying to steal my neighbor's Wi-Fis, but they won't let me. They've all passworded them there. They're all getting smarter. So anyhow, uh, we've uh, thrown him into the uh, world of HamOS, so uh, we uh, hope we can uh, get that working. It's an operation error, he says. Uh, we'll try the live CD again. Uh, were you using the live CD, Michael, when you tried Wi-Fi? Maybe it's a live CD issue, because I know there's some things that you can't uh, on a USB drive. I know there's certain things that you can't do from a live CD that you can when you install. So it could just be as simple as that if, if it wasn't installed on your machine. Um, I don't know if Russ can help me out here, uh, but I, I don't know if Wi-Fi would have an issue running live or not, would it? Not necessarily, as long as it has the drivers installed to power whatever Wi-Fi card you have, then it should certainly be able to work even right off the live DVD. Yeah, it's because I when I tried it first, I had no, I, I didn't have Wi-Fi. I've only just set up Wi-Fi in the house. Yes, you know, welcome to 2013. I've only just set up Wi-Fi in the house uh, in the last few weeks. I, I had no need for it before, so. Um, wiki wiki so, Wi-Fi in the house. <laughs> but now, 
like I said, I, I set it up and it worked. But I, by the time I did it, it was already installed. So uh, I know I actually installed it, uh, but the Wi-Fi in his laptop is a big flaky. Okay, so yeah, maybe it's it's a Wi-Fi issue and not a Ham OS issue. So that'd be interesting to give it another try because I I had to install nothing to get the Wi-Fi to work. I just had to click on it and, and throw in the password uh, to my network, which I've called Purple Penguin. If you're passing through the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> we know which one to hack now yeah now you know which one to hack indeed uh, you better have a good antenna though a good cantenna especially from Akinsai anyhow thanks for that Mike and uh, we'll, uh, I'll help you out with that if you want I'll be uh, more than happy to do that and thanks for being there uh, tonight always uh, happy to have you guys in the chat room yep thanks Mike we really appreciate the, the feedback even though I didn't actually get it but I'm getting it now so that that works and thanks for, for hanging out there and, and being a listener and, and checking out the live show which all of y'all should do all y'all should do when when you get a chance like yeah. next time yeah Michael and uh, David are starting to be uh, uh, semi-regulars we see them pop in every once in a while so uh, that's cool new listeners that I've recruited uh, last summer at the LobsterCon yeah, that's right. I remember LobsterCon, which I kept calling LobsterFest, and we're like, no, it's not Red Lobster, goddammit, it's LobsterCon. <laughs> oh, nobody would be offended by LobsterFest, I don't think. No, LobsterFest is very good. It's yummy. I like it. <laughs> I bet LobsterCon's pretty yummy, too. It is, actually. It was uh, it was amazing. It's uh, like like I explained a few shows back, it's a, it's a full weekend of uh, nothing but eating and hanging out and talking ham radio. Or whatever else you want to talk about. You know, usually techie. It's, it's all a bunch of techie geeks who hang around there. So it's all techie talk, which is kind of nice. All right. So now now this, now's the point of the show when we're done with feedback and we're getting to the, to the announcements and the donations and subscriptions and social media roundup and all that kind of stuff before we wind up. So which there's a lot of that this week, too. It's been an active week. It has because I've decided to, like, crawl out of my, you know, out from under my rock and actually do some stuff. So, well, no, but I, I mean, I get them all too, and I usually try to throw them in, but I, I haven't seen this many in weeks. Well, I'm going to explain why there are so many here in a minute, but I want to see if Cheryl's still around because she's going to start to read some of this stuff. Yes, Cheryl is here. Okay, uh, so are you able to look at the, the Etherpad? I know you're logged into it, but can you see it? Yes. Okay, I'm going to have you read the stuff. I'm going to like announce what you're reading, and then you can read all of our, you know, the different folks who have. Uh, donated or subscribed or, or whatnot so are you ready i'm ready okay so the first group of people i need to apologize to because they are yearly subscribers who signed up uh or re-upped in the last i want to say four months or so and for some reason paypal has not been sending me notifications when these folks re-up so i didn't know they had re-upped and i hadn't set them up in the etherpad i hadn't got their accounts on the website done or anything like that so now that i actually you know dove in found out who these folks are uh we're going to announce the names i want to say that uh i've sent you all access to the etherpad if you uh, so desire that's one of your member benefits you also have access to uh the the member content on the website and all that stuff uh, so we've got six of those folks who are all yearly subscribers, and Cheryl's going to say who they all are now. Daryl O., Jonathan S., Walter J., Doug J., Brian S., and Paul G. All right, so all you folks should have been recognized quite a while ago, but uh, 
PayPal decided to be a twit and uh, didn't let me know that you guys subscribe to the show. So thanks very much for being subscribers and uh, happy to uh, set you up so you have access to all that members-only content. So um, we've got a couple of monthly subscribers, and uh, those are... Jeremy H. and Steve C. All right, we have uh, quite a few more monthly subscribers, but those are the ones who... uh, came up recently uh, as renewing their monthly subscription. Uh, Now, as far as these next folks, I basically went back as far as we have had merchandise. Um, I put up merchandise back in 2010 for Linux and the Hamshack, and these are the folks who up until now have not had any recognition for the fact that they went to either the Printfection store or the Cafe Press store and bought some of our Linux in the Hamshack merchandise and are either proudly displaying it or wearing it or whatever or threw it in the trash. <laughs> Who knows? Shame on us. I know. Uh, so I actually spent like an hour going through all of the logs trying to figure out who all had uh, picked up some merch. And it's a really long list. Here we go. These are all the folks who have bought some merch. From Cafe Press, Nigel B., Rodney B., Patricia M, John J, Nyland P, Mark J, John R, Linda B, Elizabeth P, James L, and Greg A. Ron E has also bought from Cafe Press, and he's also a subscriber. And then from print, from Printfection, excuse me, we have Don H, Scott H, Stephen P, and Gary U. And I didn't put this in there, but Gary U is also a subscriber. So uh, double kudos to Ron and Gary for subscribing and buying merchandise. That's awesome. So thank you to to all of these people. And some of these go back to 2010. So, I mean, they're, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's just how far back we are. (laughs) But, But we're caught up now. I've got everybody. (laughs) <laughs> that's hilarious yeah i feel better now too that that oh, <laughs> well thanks everybody that's awesome <laughs> better late than never i guess i wonder if they're still listening i'm <laughs> not sure if they are thank you so much and i'm so sorry it took so long to uh to get a mention in there i, I do apologize but we had to catch up somewhere and now we're caught up we're actually See, caught up till right now that's the price you pay for being in the digital age. It's just in social media, just keeping up with all the social media can be a little overwhelming because, uh, excuse me for one sec while I clear my throat, um, but uh, it could be a little overwhelming because just trying to keep up with the comments on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and, and this media and that, and, and I could see where you could overlook some of them because there's, there's just so many. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to make it all right now. And you have. Uh, okay, excellent. So Mike uh, just subscribed or something? I, this is, I just noticed this. <laughs> yeah, I put it in earlier, uh, but a couple of days ago, I got a notification that uh, Mike subscribed to the website, uh, Mike uh, and to HTT. So uh, uh, thanks and, and welcome to the website. All right, excellent. And uh, while we're on the subject of merchandise, I would like to point out that the both the cafe press store and the printfection store have been updated as of today uh if you go over to the cafe press store i have included a ton of new merchandise that you can pick up 
Um, they used to be pretty much just like t-shirts, hoodies, and uh, a couple of different accessories, but now there's all kinds of stuff over there. There's clocks, there's drinkware, there's like iPhone, iPad, Nook, Kindle, laptop cases, and, and all kinds of stuff uh, with the Linux and the Hamshack logo over there. So new stuff that you can pick up, and of course every purchase we get a small percentage of, so um, it helps out the show and you get some cool merch. I can get a phone case? You can. Cool. I bought a new phone, by the way. I got the uh, finally got the Galaxy S3. I'm gotten rid of my Star Trek flip phone, and I'm uh, entered the uh, the digital age. All right, I have I have a Linux in the Hamshack case for my Galaxy S3, so now you can have one too. Or just when you change your phone, send me yours. <laughs> well, okay, I could do that too. <laughs> I'll go get one. And then uh, the other merchandise announcement is that over at printfection.com. Uh, and, of course, these links will be in the show notes, and the links are always on the merchandise page over at the website. Uh, but there I have created new Badger wear and Badger accessories. The older one probably wasn't as popular because it's a little uh, confrontational, shall we say. This one is much milder, uh, but you still have the opportunity to wear a badger and i think everybody should take advantage of that opportunity and of course every time you uh, purchase something we get a little bit of a cut and helps us with our expenses so if you uh, want to check out either of those stores uh links are made available on the website and uh, we appreciate it and we will actually mention anybody who buys something so <laughs> i'll make kiss, sure to keep track of that kiss my badger huh yeah that's the older one yeah, okay. Experience the badger. There you go. Yep, that's that's, that's the, the one. nut in your face one. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of crap. That's cool. Yep. So uh check those out and even if you don't buy something, at least take a look and uh you know, you could tell your friends and maybe they want some stuff. Swag is cool. And there will probably be a giveaway of some of the new merchandise here coming up pretty soon. And remember that if you're a subscriber to the show, you're automatically entered into all giveaways. So keep that in mind. All right, I'm gonna subscribe. All right, cool. <laughs> but you can't be eligible yeah you can't win sorry all right so uh we got uh, the social media roundup to finish out with since we've been rambling way too long about all kinds of meaningless crap oh it's not meaningless crap i'm sorry we're talking about people who subscribe to the show and give us money sorry sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice way yeah if they weren't yeah. listening before they're not listening now that's right i'm gonna see all of them all of the subscriptions <laughs> go away as of <laughs> Cheryl, I guess you can go ahead and handle the social media roundup. You can tell us who's uh, recently joined our show. All righty then. On Google+, Plus, Danny M. and L. Bennett T., and I hope I said that correctly. On Facebook, Daniel F., Bob W., and Rob H. On Twitter, we have at Jack Prindle and at 76. And that's it, yeah, because uh, no one signed up for the mailing list since the last episode. But uh, don't re don't forget that it's don't remember. Don't forget that it's out there. And then uh, Pete puts in a bullet about what the hell is Zazzle. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you notice under I put is this a podcast thing or a rest thing? I wasn't sure. <laughs> it wasn't clear in the email. Uh, no, Zazzle is another uh, store like Cafe Press. We're we're not going to be a part of the Zazzle community, so. Okay, so they sent us a welcome email just because I was I was going to sign up for them. Spam. No, it wasn't spam. I actually signed up over there 
because I had seen some posts that said that they were actually cheaper than Cafe Press and we could get some merchandise out to our listeners for less money uh, because their wholesale prices were a little cheaper and our markup would make things overall cheaper for people to purchase. Uh, but after going over there to see, uh, they're just as expensive as everywhere else. So I decided to not do Zazzle and just stick with the, the stores that we already have. Yeah, excellent. Well, you know, why not? Exactly. So I'm going to cut all of that out so we're not promoting Zazzle. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, this episode needs to be shortened anyway. <laughs> With that, I think we're just about ready to wrap up and go to the outro. So uh, I'm going to throw it over to Pete here in a second. But uh, did you want to? Cheryl wants to do the outro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just, uh, do you want to do the outro? Do you want to like ad lib through this uh, last bit here? And uh... <laughs> <laughs> But you guys do it so well. Well, Pete does I, it. I well. would hate to interrupt, you know, a great thing. I just read it. I don't remember <laughs> all this stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you if what. You I'll need to do the outro. I will. Well, let's not argue. Ladies first. If you don't want to do it, I don't want to put you on the spot, though. No, and, I'm. And Russ I'll, can cut I'll this do it. Too. I'm fine. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm happy to happy to listen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For anybody that wants to connect to, do you guys do you play music for this or not? Um, this might take a while, so I'll start it in a, in a minute. Okay. Well, you think I'm slow reading or what? Well, I've added a bunch of stuff, so it might, I'm not sure if it might not take the whole, uh, outro music or not. Uh, yeah, it probably will. So, cause there is a lot of stuff there. So, okay. All right. This is where I'm going to start off then. For those who would like to check out our website, you can go to lhspodcast.info. If you'd like to become an ambassador... Visit our website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Hamshack at a nearby LinuxCon or HamFest. You can email us at l- info at lhspodcast.info or leave a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW, which is 547-7469. All hate mail is routed to Harrison at hate mail at lhspodcast.info. Please remember to subscribe to our mailing list. A link is on our website. Go to Cafe Press and Printfection and buy some of our show merchandise. Each purchase help us, helps out the show. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. And if you would like the links to Cafe Press and Printfection, it's cafepress.com slash podcast and printfection.com slash podcast. You can listen to the show live every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Time or Wednesday at 0200. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode is on the website. Thank you to all of our listeners, live and quasi-live. All right, very well done. So, uh, Pete, go ahead and give your information, and I'll give mine, and we'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, good night, everyone. This is Pete Victor, Echo 2 X-Ray Papalima, live in Montreal. Uh, Happy to be here. Uh, you guys can follow me uh, on uh, Facebook at uh, Pierre Landry, Pierre being my French name. And uh, you can also find me on uh, Google+. Plus. Uh, I'm a Pete.Landry. So uh, with that, we'll talk to you all in uh, Fortnite and uh, uh, Best 7 3. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. This has been episode number 117 of Linux in the Ham Shack. We hope uh, everybody has a fantastic Fortnite coming up. We'll catch you all the next time, and uh, be good. Uh, Try not to get into too much trouble, and uh, 
Enjoy the show. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. I did the freaking hand thing when I said that.